Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is a Rocker Room production. It's hard to believe, but 27 points is nowhere near close to the deficit that we have seen on this now 16-game losing streak. Michael Brown, at least we didn't lose by 50 like we did a week or two ago. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be on with you, sir, and that's... True. I will say that if the Celtics would have kept their starters in, they, the Rockets could have lost this game by 70-plus points, and I'm not kidding. Yeah, you know, that they definitely that definitely could have been the case. And, you know, I think the Celtics came out a little bit flat to begin the game, and I think the Rockets kind of took advantage of that. But then yeah. after that first quarter, it was just uh, the Boston Massacre, except... Uh, <sighs> The other way around, if you if you will. But yeah. welcome to the Dream Take presented by the Dream Shake. Jeremy Brenner here, along with my co-pilot Michael Brown, discussing Celtics Rockets. And man, I mean, there are there are some positives to take away from this game. I mean, it wasn't all all totally negative. I think that obviously you don't want to lose by twenty seven points, and and there were a lot of negatives. We'll definitely address those as well, but. There are some positives to take away from this game. So I think that this game is not totally worth chucking in the can. Um, yeah. Would you agree, Mike? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I think the, the two biggest positives were Victor Oladipo did nothing but increase his trade uh, value tonight. And I think K.J. Martin Jr. had a, a really good night, 6 of 10 from the field. Uh, he had four rebounds. He had three assists. He had another monster block. 
Um, so on Taco are, Fall? On Taco. On, That's my boy, Taco. On your, on your boy, Taco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I, I liked from tonight, um, Mason Jones is a guy that I, he did it in garbage minutes, but he did something that this team is struggling to do on a consistent basis, which is hit the three ball. I mean, Mason Jones was four or five from the three-point line tonight. Uh, I, I want to see more of him. I, I want to see more minutes with him on the floor to see if he's a guy that's worth keeping around moving forward. Yeah. Well, Mason Jones is on a 10-day contract, and obviously that's a very limited amount of time, and he's kind of on a prove-it deal. Now, he can get a second 10-day contract, but I don't think I've ever seen a guy get three 10 days. So my guess is that if you give – if you give Mason Jones a 10-day and then another 10-day on top of that, by then we'll have the trade deadline and there will probably be a spot open so that he can take a permanent spot on the roster. That's what I think is going to happen with him. But obviously there's a whole lot of time left and depending on which trades happen, you know that that's, I guess, to be determined. But if I had to guess what the Rockets' direction is with Mason Jones, that's probably it. And yeah, I think... Look, Mason Jones, I think, did, played well tonight because he was given a chance to be the ball-dominant guard. And I think that's why he was struggling a little bit when he was playing before, is because he was kind of playing alongside John Wall, and he was kind of, he didn't get that same opportunity to really showcase why he is in the NBA. You know what I mean? And yeah. This and that and that fourth quarter garbage time was the perfect time for him to do that, and I think that's why you saw five of seven, four of five from three, and there was also very little pressure on him. You know, yeah. No, I mean, I guess in terms of the game, but yeah, go ahead. That's what I. That's what he needs with uh, him, KJ Martin, Kevin Porter Jr. This is so. This is such a crucial time for those guys um, in their development and getting them as many minutes as possible. I know that there was. There's a fan I was going back and forth with. I don't remember on what platform that thinks it's you know crazy to be playing Kevin Porter Jr. and you have to protect the you know the future. I don't agree with that at all. I mean, right now they're literally out of bodies. Number one and number two to get these guys minutes when you have the ability to get Christian Wood back and get Eric Gordon back and get John Wall back. Not for the rest of this season necessarily, but moving into next season is only going to benefit this roster and the organization as a whole. Well, I guess I think, you know, obviously I would, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, Kevin Porter's playing and he's playing consistent minutes. Um, but I think I guess what he, this person was trying to say is, you know, we look at Christian Wood and Christian Wood's obviously the future of the franchise along with KPJ. And yeah. you saw what happened with Christian Wood. So you don't want the same thing to happen to Kevin Porter Jr. And remember how we were holding our breaths on Thursday in his debut when he went down yeah. for that brief period of time. Luckily, it was only, you know, extremely minor. But, yeah, I think I think that, I guess, is kind of what that guy was saying. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, you have to have a bunch of guys that, like, this is a total youth movement at this point. And I think... But with these two weeks, Vic is the primary guy because he's been given he he was the number one guy tonight. He was given a chance to play. He had twenty six, which I mean, I don't. I think Vic had a good first quarter. I don't think Vic had a good game. I mean, if you take away the first, he had ten points in the first quarter, eleven points in the first quarter, something like that. And you could, and that's why the Rockets were winning is because Vic and Kevin Porter were you know, on their P's and Q's. Jay Sean Tate played really well in the first quarter. And they had this energy. And as the Celtics would make all these shots, the en- you could just see the energy just get sucked away, possession after possession. And then the Rockets got cold. And then that's just a recipe for disaster. And it's a story that we've seen probably, you know, 12, 13 times in the 16-game losing streak. Yeah. Well, I mean, the... The talent. I mean, the the fact that the Celtics are nineteen and eighteen with the talent that they have on that team is ridiculous. Well, they are being mismanaged. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, but J- Jalen, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum are, dude. I mean, they they are good. Mm-hmm. They are they are really really good basketball players. 
Um, I don't know where you fall in this camp, but I think Brad Stevens needs to go back to college. I, I don't think he's a great NBA coach. I don't think, I think that. I think I think he's good, but I don't think he's great. Like he he's not going to get you a title. Like they need a Doc Rivers type well, in that role right now. I in my opinion. I mean, he was one game away from going to the finals with sure. a very young team. I mean, it was Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown not in their. I think what's happened with this team, because I think they're good, and they definitely have the talent. You're not wrong about that. But I think the the, the lineups that he runs are just a little bit awkward. Like, <laughs> I think they should play Robert Williams a lot more. He had 16-13 night in 19 minutes. Like, imagine, like, how, how much he would have scored had he played, you know, 30 minutes. Like, he probably should have. I, I think that I think that they need to play Robert Williams a little bit more. And, I, and I've talked to Celtics people, and they agree. They're like, Robert Williams has been our best big all year, and he needs to play more. So I, I'm i kind of in that camp, too. I think Robert Williams, he start, like we saw in college what he was like at A&M, and he fell down draft boards because uh, he, of some off-the-court stuff. But the Celtics kind of got him, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's a steal. But the Celtics haven't really played him a whole lot in his you know first two three years in the league, and now he's finally been given this this opportunity to kind of play a little bit more, but nowhere near enough. Because I think the Celtics' best lineups are the ones with Robert Williams in it. I'm not sure exactly what the, what those stats are, but I guarantee you the Celtics are better on the floor with Robert Williams in the game. No, no, they they certainly are, and he he's just got. He's got a motor that doesn't stop. I mean, to me, his game resembles a guy like Bam Adebayo, where he can guard out on the perimeter. Like, he's he has the lateral quickness to guard multiple different types of guys, and the dude is just relentless on the boards. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Robert Williams belongs on the floor from what I saw tonight. I mean, granted, he dominated Justin Patton, but, I mean, the dude's got some talent for sure. Yeah, and I do see that we have some uh, speaker requests. I'm going to get to those shortly, uh, but just be sure if you're following us uh, here on Locker Room, we do have a nice little crowd tonight, so thank you guys for coming in uh, into the show. I'm sure it's a lot of Celtics people, that's probably why. But uh, go follow us on Twitter at the Dream Take, and we are the number one podcast of thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. I'm going to bring pa- uh, Patrick onto the stage to – uh, talk a little bit, ask a question if he wants to do so. Patrick, welcome to the show. Uh, how you How's doing, it going, man? man? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, and I I cover the Boston Celtics uh, for hoopball right now. And and a lot of people are always questioning about Robert Williams and his playing time and, and why he hasn't been uh, so much in the rotation. Well, early on in his career, he had this issue where he seemed out of place on the defensive end, really was out of position, would be miscommunication on switches, really was abused in the pick-and-roll game. He has elevated that part of his game. However, last year, people forget that he had a hip injury that really Mm. lingered. And Brad Stevens has mentioned it uh, many times in press conferences. He actually mentioned it after today's press conference that they're going to continue being really easy on Robert Williams because he plans on amping him up later on down the season. So it's not necessary that he doesn't earn those minutes. It's that the Celtics are being very cautious with his hip because they understand that he is the future at the center position for Boston with Daniel Tice on his last year of his contract and Thompson really having a tradable contract in, in a sense for this trade deadline. So Boston's just being really careful with him. But, yeah, it's it's wonderful seeing him on the court. You, you would definitely see a part of the Celtics that you're like, wow, this team really can take another jump and being like, all right, maybe they are a threat in the playoffs. Maybe they can get to a title. When Robert Williams is on the floor, he definitely adds a different element to them, especially him and Smart together just seem to have a different energy, and they just change the whole momentum of games. At yeah, they, thanks, Patrick, for that. Um, now, I guess I kind of want to throw a question back at you um, and kind of pick your brain about this. Are there any poten- – you, you mentioned Tristan Thompson as a trade target. Who, who are the Celtics really targeting in this trade deadline? And is there any Rockets that you might want? I mean, you can have anyone that you want that's over the age of 25 at this point. Or probably, yeah. So, so and we have a couple of those guys. So 
Is there is there anyone that intrigues you on the Rockets as a potential trade target? Um, not necessarily in a trade, but buyout, yes. Because we, we look at, at P.J. Tucker, and he really fits uh, a Boston style. He's got the grit. His defense is there. He's a wing that can space the floor. And, and something that Boston really needs right now is definitely a wing player with that switchability to switch onto a guard or switch onto a big and just be able to be solid on the defensive end and then create that spacing on the offensive end, especially when you have Tatum and Brown really trying to work it inside and and not having the defense totally collapse and, and really trying to get away from those double teams coming at Tatum that Tatum has sometimes struggled with at times this season. But it, as far as um, trade targets in general – Boston's probably not going to make a move unless they somehow can can figure a way of getting Harrison Barnes or a Jeremy Grant. But I, mm-hmm. from what I hear from Detroit, is Jeremy Grant really isn't available unless somebody blows him away. And Boston's picks are so far back now that they they don't have anything to really blow them away with. So I I would really just wait probably until the off season for. Danny Ames to use the trade exception, you know, the league's biggest trade exception right. in history. But, but yeah, as far as, as Rockets go, the the Celtics don't really have much interest in, in anybody, I think, that fits their scheme except for um, P.J. Tucker. But I think they'd rather try to go out in the buyout market for him. than, than... Yeah, because my thing with P.J., and Mike, feel free to add something if you want, but my thing with P.J. is if he ends up getting bought out, I think he's going to go to a team that he's familiar with. So the teams that come to mind, Philly comes to mind as he has the familiarity with Daryl Morey. The Nets obviously come to mind as he's familiar with Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. And the Suns are actually, I think, a decent fit as well. I know some Suns people uh, are wanting to see P.J. Tucker come back. He obviously knows the Phoenix area, the Phoenix organization, and of course, Chris Paul. So... I think if the Celtics – now, I'm not saying P.J. wouldn't sign with the Celtics, but I think those three teams right now, all three of whom have better records than the Celtics, have higher championship aspirations for this particular season, and that's all you're really going to get P.J. for. So, I mean, if the Celtics wanted to maybe get P.J., I think they could find a way. It's just – I mean, but who would you even consider, you know, trading for? Like, if you had to trade P.J., for like a second round pick and, you know, throw in a salary because he's making 8 million, you know, would that even be yeah. worth it? And, and see, and that's the, that's the issue. And then you go, well, might as be like a three throw trade. in a Tristan Thompson, but then you guys have to take on Tristan Thompson for an extra year. And that doesn't really make sense for you. It might be like a three team trader or something like that. Yeah. It would have to be somewhere and it would become a lot more complicated. And in that sense, it's like, does Boston really get that much better by taking Tristan Thompson off the roster and adding PJ Tucker? Like it was, is that the, the push that they really need? And it's only for a one year. Like, yeah. is that yeah. something that it really makes sense for them? And also something with Boston and, and the reason why I think Danny Ainge doesn't make a move this um, trade season is simply because you have Jason Tatum who is 23 and you have Jalen Brown, who's 24. They both are, Nowhere near an age where you're used to going to an NBA Finals. I understand they've gone to two Eastern Conference Finals in the past three years, but those were really led by some veterans that are really more skilled. You also had like Hayward on your team. You had a Kyrie Irving on your team before Isaiah Thomas. You know, so that's just something to like take note. Is like these guys are are this is a real first year to test their leadership. So right now, like as Boston. They're just so they're so spoiled that they're like, oh, we we got to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. We got to we got to take the next step and get to the finals. But in reality, it's like, whoa, we we just gave the reins to these two young guys. They're really gonna try to take a step now. Let's let them develop into um into that leadership role. I think they should just wait to address some things in the off season and really look at the window because the Nets closed that gap for that championship opportunity or just getting to the finals by really acquiring Harden. They put a strength on the Eastern Conference. The Sixers are playing a lot better than Boston. Boston doesn't look as good this year. Let them develop. Find something out in the in the free agency. Get Fix some other pieces. Get some defensive pieces around these guys. And then when they're getting into their prime, that's when to be really aggressive in the trade market and, and really find those, those players that are going to be perfect and push you over. Yeah, it seems like it seems like the Celtics are stuck in no man's land right now. Like you're not 
you're you're a playoff team, but are you up there with Brooklyn? In my opinion, no. I think Brooklyn and, and Philadelphia and are Milwaukee, Milwaukee too, right? So I think the three of those teams are contending for the title this year. So it really doesn't make sense for Boston to go after a guy like PJ Tucker all that much. Uh, but I'm intrigued with with Boston. Like I'm intrigued with what they're gonna do moving forward. But I think there's still a ton of question marks. But PJ really doesn't make sense for Boston this year. And, and right, and that's that's the thing with Boston too. Is you like look at them, you, you're saying they're in no man's land, and that's why they're in development process. And people are kind of like, why are they in development process after having so much success these past few years? And Jason Tatum taking these steps, and Jalen Brown taking these steps. But that's what they are. That they're in a they're in a very high, like very luxury development process but also people need to realize that these extensions just happened it was now you got the extension of Jalen brown and jason tatum so that puts the pressure on danny Ainge. it's like all right these next two years you can kind of play with a little bit but if you really aren't good in two years and and really pushing that championship window Jalen brown and, and jason tatum could be like you know what this this duo is not working out i want out you know and also something that needs to be noted is is you got bradley Beal in washington who's really good friends with tatum who is going to be available probably in through a trade or in free agency eventually that matches up with Tatum's timeline. So, I mean, there's some consideration down the line as well there, you know, some hinting going on. That's something that we speculate as Celtics fans and in the community ourselves, but Boston's definitely in a kind of weird situation right now. Definitely in a different situation. Yeah. Patrick, uh, thank you so much for coming on, talking about it. Uh, so you covered the Celtics for um, Hoopball, Hoopball, for Hoopball. Okay, so go check out Patrick's work over at Hoopball. Um, I kind of want to segue back into tonight's game. So I guess, but while we go there, I want to I want to share the story. And I've been waiting for the Celtics game to come all year so I could tell this story. And okay, so obviously I am a very proud alumna of the University of Central Florida, same school as Taco Fall. So I Taco got there. A year before I did, right, Mike? And yeah. I I got so he was there in twenty fifteen. I got there in twenty sixteen. And, you know, obviously covering basketball, being in uh the sport business program at UCF, you know, I was around Taco a lot and we have like a couple of mutual friends. So every year, and probably one of the biggest reasons to go to the University of Central Florida is every April they open up Universal uh, studios so that UCF students can go uh, for free. It's a, it's a free visit to Universal Studios. That's so awesome. we, and there was, it didn't happen last year. This was, um, I think this was two years ago, two years ago, because that was the last time it was before COVID. But um, so what happened was I was with my friends and we were like in some restaurant and we see taco and everyone, like when you see taco, you know, it's taco because he, no one is that tall. Because he's life. like nine feet tall, right? He's nine foot, si- nine foot six or something. And, you know, everyone's taking a picture of him. And, like, everyone's like, selfie taco, like, you know, selfie taco, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny because – so Taco was coming to see us. Like, he saw his friend. And so, like, we were just kind of talking and all. And so my friends and I wanted a picture. And so – but not with Taco. We just wanted a picture together. So who do we ask to take the picture? We asked Taco because he's right there. So while everyone is asking Taco to be in his picture, I'm asking Taco to take my picture. That's, that's some that's, that's some main character energy, guys. You are the main character in your life. But that's pretty fantastic by you. That's thank you, thank you. I I don't have too many of those that are as good as that one. I do have some, but uh, I have to take advantage of the moments when I find them. So yeah, Rory got a high five at the Red Claws. Ooh, yeah, that's. That's pretty fun. Um, Taco, no, Taco's honestly one of the nicest people. Uh, you know, Bill Worrell was talking about him on the broadcast, and everything he said was absolutely true. Um, and, you know, him at UCF, like, he was big man on campus kind of thing. And, yeah, so it was super cool that, you know, we had that story and all that. But let's, let's go back into this game, and let's talk more Rockets. So, you know, let's talk about some negatives tonight, because there were a lot of them. Um, but Mike, you want to start where, what negative do you want to point out first? Um, yeah, I mean, the, just the, the, the you have so many to choose from the glaring lack of 
help on the front line. It's just, it, it, I, I'm not even mad. Like, I think I'm over whatever the 12 stages of grief is. Like, I think I'm at the acceptance stage of this team where I'm watching the game and I'm like, yeah, like the Celtics are that much better than we are. But the fact that the front office has basically over the last 16 games without Christian Wood, their only solution to getting this team frontline help has been Justin Patton. Well, they well, that's not they a- they had Demarcus Cousins. They had Demarcus Cousins, right? And they got Ray Balding first, and I think Ray Balding is better than Justin Patton. But I'll tell you this: I think when Justin Patton first got to Houston, it looked as if he was going to like he looked so good, and I think he looked so good because it was easy for him to succeed because he was the only center on the roster. And so it was like a welcoming feeling. You're like, oh, wow, size. What a novel concept. You know, it's great to have size. But now that it, that novelty has kind of worn off for me a little bit when it comes to Patton, you know, some of the shots he takes are just ill-advised. Yeah. And that, that's not just Patton. I think there were a lot of shots tonight that just weren't very smart. Anthony Lamb also took some really poor shots. And, you know, that's part of, you know, learning the, the learning curve of the NBA. And Justin Patton is also on that learning curve. But I can't imagine that there is a guy out there that is worth – like, I can't imagine that there isn't a solution out there that is better than Justin Patton. And I think the Rockets kind of had to operate real quick because of the situation. But now that they're in a little bit more of a lax part of the season, I think that – I wouldn't rule out Justin Patton – leaving the team and being replaced by somebody at the trade deadline. So like if the Rockets end up trading a guy and they get a big, um, they get like a big, like a prospect big in return, he might just eclipse Justin Patton's minutes and then, you know, not even need Justin Patton anymore because there's just a better big. And there are a couple of guys that I'm thinking about that, could make sense that might be a bit more of an inv- a better investment, I should say, than Justin Patton. I think of guys like Mo Azabuki. Yeah, I don't know Mo Bamba. Okay, yeah, I, I guess I would take him over Justin Patton. But I mean, Justin Patton. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm thrilled about Mo Bamba, but well, I, mean, and, and, I would and, take him. I would take him over Justin Patton. You're right. Yeah, and I say Mo Bamba because. There, there's been reports out there that the Rockets may be interested in Aaron Gordon. Um, and then he could come in that trade, possibly. Correct. And then, like, seeing Justin Patton on the floor, like, Justin Patton is not good. He's not a good NBA player. He's only out there because he's size. Now, is he a guy that I would like to keep around and see what can happen down the road? Yeah, I'd be open to that. I mean, I would definitely be open to um, – I mean, with the Rockets' direction that they're heading right now is – into full rebuild mode. So you're going to, there's going to be bodies coming in and out trying to figure out if a guy's a player or not. I wouldn't mind keeping Justin Patton around, but a guy like Mo Bamba, I think is a tier above Justin Patton, Mm -hmm. like Mo Bamba, you could get, and if you can develop him, he could turn into, I think a reliable backup center. I don't think Mo Bamba will ever be a starting five for this team, but if you can identify him and work on his skill set a little bit, you could turn him into a backup big. I see no reason that that can't be a ceiling for Mo Bamba. Yeah, well, that's what they need. They need a backup big. They don't need a starting big. And Correct. They just need someone that can bridge the gap but when when Christian was off the floor. Right, and that's the thing that that type of trade to me, you know, Aaron Gordon, I, I, I like. You know, I, I think Aaron Gordon could be a really interesting piece for, for this roster moving forward. Uh, and Mo Bamba could solve your backup big problem. So that's a trade that if I'm the Rockets, I take a real long, hard look at. Yeah, I mean, I think of Mo Bamba. I think of, you know, Adoka Azabuki from Utah, who was a first-round pick this past year. Uh, Fiondu Kabengele from the Clippers, who was also a first-round pick, I think, uh, 2019. So there's a couple of guys out there that I could see in, like, a small trade, like a, you know, like a Sterling Brown for, you know, a small guy or – you know, I think that there are, there are some deals out there where the Rockets could bring back a big that, you know, might be worth more of an investment than Justin Patton. But if the Rockets – at the trade line, what the Rockets need more than anything are shooters. 
Like yep. they need three point shooters more than anything on the roster because they they shot sixteen of fifty tonight. They they shot fifty three pointers. They shot fifty three pointers. So if you're gonna shoot that many threes, you got to make them the higher clip. And look, they lost tonight by twenty seven. If they make, I don't. I mean, obviously that's probably too much of a, a of a jump. But I mean, if you're making, you know, let's say twenty of fifty, right? You lose by fifteen instead of twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And that looks at least a little bit more like you're in the same ballpark with a team that is 500 than, than uh, you know, completely and totally out of their league. And I think – so that – I'm not saying go look out for uh, a big on the market and, like, that's what you need to target. No, target three-point shooting first. And ideally a center who can shoot threes better than Justin Patton can. Yeah. And – Ben McLemore, you know, talking about the negatives, Ben McLemore has, has either completely lost the ability to shoot the three ball or his confidence is just shot. I think both. I think it's both. And I feel really bad because, I mean, remember last year, like, he was totally different. He's a totally oh, different player. Yeah. And Victor Oladipo, you know, I, I think, you know, I think he looked really good tonight. Um, you know, him enhancing his trade value for the Rockets isn't nothing but a good thing. Um, but I think the presence of Kevin Porter Jr., especially early in the game, really benefited. Uh, he gives them energy. He gives them energy. Yeah. Him and Jay yeah. Sean Tate, they they always have really good first quarters. Usually, yeah, because and, they're they're high energy guys. Yeah, I I wish I could see more of Ben McLemore with Kevin Porter Jr. on the floor. But the problem is that by the time Ben McLemore is getting a real good run. I mean, the Rockets are down by, you know, 74 points. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think it benefits – it really doesn't benefit Ben McLemore when he's out there in garbage time. Um, so that's something that I look at negatively. I think if you can get anything out of Ben McLemore, I, I you take it and you run with it. I don't think he's worth much more than a second-round pick at this point. No, I don't see why any team would want Ben McLemore. I mean, I know that there are teams that are interested in him, according to reports. But yes. I mean, if you look at, if you look, if you just watch him on, on like if you watch, if you put two or three games a game film on, like he has, I can't remember the last time Ben McLemore had a good game. Yeah, the, I, I I get why teams want Ben McLemore. Just if you're barely giving up anything, which a sec a late second round pick for a contending team to add. When on his game, he's a knockdown shoot, you know, knockdown three point shooter. It makes sense. Like a team like the Lakers, a team like Milwaukee, um, you know, teams like that. I could certainly see trading a draft pick for Ben McLemore or a, a low end prospect. I mean, I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his stats right now. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 38% from three this month in five games. Mm-hmm. But in in all of uh, in all of February, he shot sixteen percent, one six. Mike in January, he shot forty three percent. Like that's that that's like totally like you know other other ends of the world kind of numbers. There was there were five or no okay. So these were his numbers in in February: one of five, zero of one, one of three. 4 of 7 against the Hornets, 0 for 1, 0 for 5, 0 for 2, 1 for 6, 1 for 7, 0 for 5, 0 for 7. Tonight, 3 of 10. Like, he doesn't shoot the ball at a very high clip. And, like, I'm trying to think, like, if you are a team that could use a little bit more three-point shooting, like, you look at Ben McLemore, like, is he going to take minutes away from someone in the rotation right now? No, I don't see, like, I don't see that being the case. And, Sometimes I look at Vic the same way, and I'm like, if Vic goes to a contender, who is he an upgrade over? And, you know, I think that's, I think that's, but I also think the Rockets are just in a really bizarre circumstance. Like, because these guys are, you know, like Ben McLemore, his season is like a total 180. PJ Tucker's season from last year, uh, almost a complete 180. Mm -hmm. You look at, you know, Oladipo, his numbers are down. John Wall, you know, I guess his numbers are up because he didn't play. But, you know, so every guy is, like, having a down year for the so most part. Hear. So it's just 
I think honestly, like when you when you think about it, and we talk about the shooting slumps that this team has, I honestly genuinely believe that part of the Rockets and all of that is just poor luck, bad luck. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I mean, if and this is a big if. Let me start it this way. Is it, under any circumstance this offseason, would you be in favor of the Rockets re-signing Victor Oladipo? No. Okay. I only because... ask that because... <sighs> no, absolutely not. Vic needs to go. Okay. No, I because... mean, I, I'm, I'm still with you on that. I'm just spitballing here that I'm curious as to what Victor Oladipo could do on a team that includes Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., John Wall, all healthy. Well, let me let me let me tell you why there's absolutely no way you can keep Victor Oladipo. Who would you rather have? Like I know we talked about this and we kind of ignored it, but you said didn't you say the last time we were on locker room that Vic was better than Kevin Porter? Vic is better than Kevin Porter. Do you still do you still believe that? Yes. Can you can you explain that a little bit more? So that I can understand where you're coming from. Yeah, Kevin Porter has barely sniffed the league, and Victor Oladipo has been on the All Defensive Team. He has, he has, by NBA standards, he is a much better player than Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, see, I don't. I I think that I don't see that. Really? I don't see that. No. Uh, I mean, I think Kevin Porter is a better player than Vic. No, I think he is. I think he is. And uh, okay, well, let me ask you this: Who would you rather have moving forward, twenty-year-old Kevin Porter or twenty-eight-year-old Vic? Say that again. Would you rather have Victor Oladipo at twenty-eight or Kevin Porter at twenty years old? Uh, I mean, as of right now, I'd rather have Kevin Porter Jr. Okay, given that, but you can't tell me that right now, Kevin Porter Jr is better than the player that was is a two-time all-star was a part of the all-defensive team and has been all Okay so play. yes Vic has more accolades but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a better player mm, Okay but I'm saying by NBA circles right now Victor Oladipo is a better player because he has more pelts on the wall and he's still only – he's not 30 years old yet, and he's about to get paid this summer. Like, somebody is going to pay for a guy that is 6'4 and can get his own shot basically whenever he wants it and would be an upgrade for most teams at his position. Contenders, it depends on who he goes to. Like, See, if he goes okay. to Milwaukee, is he an upgrade over Drew Holiday? No, but you could put him on the court with Drew Holiday, and the roster or the rotation is better, if that no, makes sense. Vic is, Vic is a terrible fit in Houston. He's a terrible fit here. He's not a primary ball handler anymore. He used to be. He used to be in Indiana, but he's no longer that guy. Because what happened was after that injury, they saw what happened. They saw his regression, and Malcolm Brogdon became a better player than Victor Oladipo. Yeah. And that's why they were willing to get rid. They were willing to trade him, and wow. also to add the fact that he wasn't going to sign with with Indiana after the season anyway. You know, so there's there's a whole lot. But the thing is, Indiana was doing fine. They're doing fine without him. You know, and, but the but the Malcolm Brogdon thing, like if you're Vic, you bring in a guy that basically that didn't make sense to me at the time. But now it does because they were so eager to move on from Vic. Like Malcolm Brogdon was a good player before Indiana signed him. It's not like he came there and mm-hmm. like became just a superstar overnight. Like he was a really good player in Milwaukee and they identified him early and brought him into Indiana and he played well. I just think that, I mean, right now, Victor Oladipo is averaging 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists for this year. Like, if Kevin Porter Jr. can prove that he can do that over a, you know, a 25 to 35 game stretch, we can start having that conversation. But right now, no. What do you think Porter Kevin Porter Jr.'s Jr. ceiling is? What do you think uh, Kevin Porter Jr.? What is KPJ's ceiling? Oh, man. Uh, what is the ceiling right I, now? He could very easily be an all-star. Okay. 
at, at very least, he can be an all-star. But I will tell you that what did he – hold on. Let me see his numbers from tonight. He had 11 points tonight, 7 assists. He shot 3 of 12. He had a poor night. Yeah. The reason why he had a poor night is because Vic was the primary ball handler. He, mm-hmm. Vic was the point guard tonight. Kevin Porter needs to be the point guard of this team. Kevin Porter needs to be the one with the ball handling ability. He is that guy. He had seven assists tonight, more than anyone on the team. And mm-hmm. like, and and if you look at this, he, Kevin Porter's played three games so far, right? Mm-hmm. He played Sacramento. Uh, Vic was Vic playing against Sacramento. Yes, thirteen points. Vic did not play against Utah. Twenty-seven points. You see the pattern here? Eleven <laughs> points tonight with Vic. Yeah, that's why that's why Vic needs to go because Vic is stunting the growth of Kevin Porter and Kevin Porter is the answer to this team. I truly believe I might be. It's funny, Mike, because you and I, when when he was in the bubble, I was keep him there, and you were like, we need to bring him up. We need some talent yeah. on this team. And yeah. now it almost feels like we're flipped because the way I see it, it took me three games or two. It, I I knew this Friday night. Kevin Porter, when the Rockets are good again, he will be the best player on the team. He is that good. If the Rockets can keep him happy and keep him here, Kevin Porter will be the best player on a playoff contending Rockets team. That look like I truly believe he has the ability to be very close to James Harden. I'm not going to say James Harden yet, but I do think like if you just watching the way he plays, he reminds me so much of James. He really does, and it almost feels like in a way, Mike, we have it's like we're getting James Harden all over again and he's yeah. like a rookie and it's so and i'm excited to watch it because it's like we get to see a movie you know that we really liked again it's that, to me that's what it is and it's and maybe the rockets can learn from their mistakes from the harden era and apply them now and learn from their mistakes and one of those mistakes that they made was not getting a big for you know after after clint capella they didn't let clint, clint capella develop long enough and they let him go, and now they have Christian Wood, and now Christian Wood and Kevin Porter can be this pair together, and that's one of the mistakes they can correct from the Rockets era, and they can get him some size, because what I think also, and the reason why I'm not feeling like getting Aaron Gordon is even that good of an idea, is because K.J. Martin is starting to look the part of, of the kind of guy that you need. Now, I'm not sure if K.J. Martin can do this consistently at a starter's level, but I'll tell you what, K.J. Martin, the last three games, has looked more like an NBA player than I ever thought he would be in his rookie year. Like, he's only a rookie. He's 19. K.J. Martin's 19 years old, 20 years old. He turned 20 in January. Like, we have 20-year-old K.J. Martin, 20-year-old Kevin Porter. Like, there's, you can't tell me that these guys are not going to develop when they're 22, 23, before their primes. Then when they get to their primes, 25, 26, you know, maybe they have something more at 27, 28. That's seven years down the line when we have all those picks that will come back to us from Brooklyn that are going to be high picks because Brooklyn will be bad once Harden and them go. Like, I'm starting to see the pieces, Mike, of a team that can get back to the playoffs. It's going to take some time, and we're going to remember this, you know, really hella long losing streak that if they lose tomorrow, we'll tie the franchise record for longest losing streak in franchise history. But we're going to remember these and they, these days aren't going to matter anymore because we have a team that is better than what we had before. Even I truly believe that. Yeah. And maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid, but I mean, no, I I don't think you're drinking the Kool-Aid. I think there's a couple of things I want to address with what you said. I think the first is, you know, he's played Kevin Porter jr. Has played three games with the Rockets. None of the three games has you shot the three ball. Well, that's something that he – that you want to talk about comparing him to James Harden. Harden was the same way. Harden, when he first got here, was not a great three-point shooter, but he was able to work on his game and adapt his game so many different times. Like, people don't – James Harden literally showed up here after the Rockets acquired him without any practice and dropped 40 on Detroit in his first game. And everybody was like, oh, my God, like, who is this? But every single year, he, he found a way to get better. He found a way to adapt his game and change his game, quite honestly, and be successful at it. That's the, the big question with Kevin Porter Jr. is, 
it's very clear that the skills are there, right? Like you and I are on the same page that this kid is going to be or has the ability to be special. We have not using them with Christian Wood yet. Yeah. How much can he be adaptable to today's game? Oh, 100%. He is the future of the game. I truly believe that. In in he's a, he's he's six four. He plays yeah. he plays like he, he plays like a, he's the size of a two guard or a three, and he's a one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no, exactly like sure. that. And imagine if they get Cade. Like imagine. Like I, I hate saying that because the chances of us getting Cade are not that good compared to you know everyone else. But someone's gonna get him. Imagine Cade and KPJ together and Christian Wood. It's just you know and KJ and KJ Martin Jr. And, yeah, and I'm starting to get to the point where, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing KJ here long term. I think that, you know, he – I'm starting to see the signs of – because you know what the thing with KJ is too? Is that he also doesn't shoot the three ball that well. Right. But tonight, tonight he he did, I think. He had, you know, two or three from three. Mm-hmm. And he's just he uber athletic, got that block on Taco. Like, like oh, my God, Mike, like – this team, you know, if if you're listening to me talk about the Rockets, guys, you might think that we're really good right now. Like, that's how excited I am about this team. I'm excited about this team as if they were, you know, in the thick of things in the playoffs because that's how strongly I feel about this team. Yeah, and, and the pieces, the pieces are there, right? The kind of being the devil's advocate to what you're saying, though, is that's a lot of moving pieces that have to fall for this to work out. like, But I think we have most of those pieces. Uh, I think I, we already have those pieces in tow. I think the Cade, the Cade Cunningham. Well, yeah, Cade, Cade's another is, thing, but I don't even think we need, like, oh, I don't think we need Cade in yes. order to be really, really, really good. Yeah, you do. Cause he I don't es- think so. But he escalates. Because right now, you Yes, have- look, putting Cade Cunningham on the Rockets right now makes them a much better team. But... Well, yeah. I think, you know, Cade's – when Cade comes to the NBA, he's going to play point guard. He's going to play point guard for, you know, whether it's Houston, whether it's Detroit, whether – like, he will supplant whoever the whoever's there, and he will be starting point guard from, you know, day zero. And, you know, I'm curious to see what a Porter-Cade backcourt would look like, and that's something that, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself there because – you know, the Rockets, you know, for all we know, could, you know, go on, you know, they, they don't even have a pick potentially. So, yeah, I don't want to go that far yet. The, so I'm not going to. I'm going to stop myself before I get ahead. And I'm going to, you know, pull this J train into the station tonight. But we have the Hawks on Tuesday, Mike. What's one key for Tuesday's game where we could possibly see the return of Christian Wood, the return of John Wall? How do you want to see this team going forward on Tuesday? Yeah, I mean, bringing the energy that they had in the first quarter, you know, throughout the game. You know, the they started out hot. You know, they um, Craig Ackerman uh, alluded to it, you know, early in the game, and he said it looks like the guys are having fun. They're playing loose. They're playing. All the pressure is off at this point. Like, the season, for all intents and purposes, is done. Like, you're not going to the playoffs. Unless you go on some miraculous run here in the second half and make it, I mean, maybe. But yeah. go out, go have some fun, man. Like they, they need to keep the the energy, the spirit of the group up, and take your chances and see what happens uh, on Wednesday. I'm fairly excited to see hopeful, you know, soon to be Houston Rocket John Collins play. For the Atlanta. yeah, that is that is something that I was going to mention is, is John Collins is going to be in Houston on on Tuesday, but it's also a back to back. So they play Tuesday against Atlanta and Wednesday against the Warriors. So I'm curious to see if Vic is going to play on Tuesday. Now I'm also because they obviously you want to you want to have Vic as you know you want to showcase Vic as much as you can before the deadline and. I think that the Rockets are still going to want to do that. Uh, and I'm curious is, is if John Wall is going to play the back-to-back. Because maybe, maybe what they'll decide is they'll play Vic on Tuesday and they'll give John Wall, John Wall an extra day of rest and then he'll just come back on Wednesday against Golden State. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure if that's exactly going to happen. And 
look, Golden State of Utah today. So that that game's not going to be too fun. And of course, it's, I don't I don't like playing the Warriors ever. Like I just I can't. Like there's too much PTSD that's triggered from just the last five years of my life. But um, you know, but for Atlanta. I'm curious to see how this whole thing operates together. If how Christian Wood and Kevin Porter play together, how Wall and Kevin Porter play together, how, you know, the whole team and it almost you know, Daniel House might even come back. So it it feel it will feel a little bit more like the Rockets of the beginning of the season, or at least after Harden got dealt that six game winning streak, hopefully. Um I'd like to see Wall, Oladipo, and Wood one last time together, at least once, just mm. just to reminisce on the WoW era. One last time, the the beauty of the WoW era. Remember, we we thought that Wood, Oladipo, and Wall were the promised land. They were the answer. Remember when mm. we thought that we were selling shirts that had WoW on it, and now we're just uh, tonight. We were just oh, and lost by twenty seven points. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is a good place to part the rocket ship for now. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the dream take be sure to follow us on twitter at the dream take and at dreamshake sbn we are the official podcast of the dreamshake.com home of all things houston rockets on sbnation.com you can also give us a like on facebook if you're over there we are working the schedule out we kind of you know we were popping back and forth from which platform do we want to use for our post game shows and we've come to like this agreement where we're going to do Every other game, we're going to do it on Locker Room, and then the next game, we're going to do it on Facebook. So Tuesday's game, post-game recap, will be on Facebook. Mike's going to take that project on, and then on Wednesday, we'll be back here on Locker Room to talk Warriors. So be sure to go like us on Facebook if you're over there. Follow us on Locker Room over here. You can follow the Dream Take. You can follow Mike. You can follow my personal at Jeremy Brenner. And be sure to also follow my co-pilot on Twitter, Mr. Michael Brown, at... BSW podcast underscore MB. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J E R E M Y B R E N E R. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode. And until next time, go Rockets. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.